What's going on, everybody? This is Black Men Sundays. I'm your host, Corey Sylvester Murray. We're talking about generational wealth. We're talking mental health, finance, and business. It's a Black Man Sunday. Time to put all childish things away. I refuse to be the man I was yesterday. Gotta put my best and today's show is no different. We have Jewel Edward Love Jr. This brother's out of Oakland, California. He's the founder of Black Men Executive. We're gonna find out what that is. This brother here is also the owner of Champions Mental Health. So we definitely gotta talk about that with the climate that we're living in right now. So without further ado, Jewel Edward Love Jr. Welcome to Black Men Sundays, brother. How you doing? Man, I'm doing fantastic. Appreciate you holding this platform in the first place. Glad to be here and contribute what I can share. So let's go on and get started. As I said in the intro, you're the founder of Black Executive Men. Our show is about generational wealth. How is Black Executive Men helping brothers achieve generational wealth? Absolutely. So there's really three things that we help our clients with. And just to give you all, uh, the listeners, some more information about that. We help Black men in corporate America with the three S's. So that's salary, which is going to be most pertinent to this conversation seniority and satisfaction. But the satisfaction might be connected too because it's connected to health. And when you want to talk about keeping hypertension down, things of that nature, ideally it's a job that's not bringing you too much uh, stress. But when we're working with our clients, whether we're helping them get a new job or a salary bump at their current organization and showing them tactics, strategies, motivation, accountability on how to do that, it helps them make more money. We're talking about 10K, 30K. We got a guy in our program now who's going from 300K to 700K. And I know that sounds, you know, just maybe ridiculous, but it's not because we got guys making millions and it's just about how they package themselves and how they sell their services. How do you help brothers reach their full potential? So it's the one key transformative process we help them with, and it's called the zone of genius. Now, we didn't invent it. But it's something that we definitely uh, make sure we speak about with all of our clients. So zone of genius is essentially finding out how you're the best in the world. And I mean that literally, not figuratively. I mean that in exactly what you do. And when you figure that out alongside your professional mission and your why and why you're doing what you do, you can command uh, a lot higher price points uh, as far as your salary is concerned in the marketplace. So that's one of the key places that we focus on. You know, we actually had uh, a brother Donovan, and this was probably, oof, man, probably going on two years ago now. And he was working for, uh, he was working for an organization, uh, John Deere, and he was a nice guy at the org. I mean, this is Morehouse grad, you know, uh, father of many, uh, loving husband, and uh, yet he was still being passed over for promotions. So that's when he came and spoke with us and we helped him find his zone of genius. Within a relatively short amount of time, he pivoted. He's making, I think, 75% more than he was making in his previous organization. He's a director, so higher level of seniority, and he's over at Intel. So, and he's, you know, had to move the family and everything, but it's been, it's been well, well worth it. So in that process, we really helped him to identify. What is he the best in the world at doing? And then we gave him the communication tools when he's out there networking, doing informational interviews, when he's actually interviewing, how to convey that. So a company can see if we bring you on, you know, let's say we're paying you, I don't know, 250K, uh, we can make 2.5 million, typically a lot more from that investment. 
Wow. Wow. You know, you're kind of making this pretty sweet right here because, you know, if I'm a brother and I'm saying, you know, I'm at my job, what advice can you give for me to say, you know what, I'm ready for a raise. I need a promotion. What types of things as a black man should we ask ourselves before we, because, you know, I feel like sometimes we may go in a little emotional and then you come out sometimes not even keeping the job or you come out just, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to say they, they, they look, they look less at you, but they kind of look at you more like, okay, you're money hungry versus, okay, you're the hard worker, the phenomenal person that we hire. But really what should we ask ourselves before we go in that, in that meeting? Yeah. Well, really there's, there, there's four keys when it comes to uh, career advancement. And so, but I'm going to, I'm going to answer that directly in just a moment. Uh, but this is going to provide some context for that answer. So the first thing to do is do 100% on the actual job. There is no substitute. So when you're you know, on your career, your job is a portion of your career strategy. And one of the best things to do to keep and advance on your job is do 100%. But that doesn't guarantee anything. There's a lot of people that are doing 100% and haven't gotten any raises. They've gotten no promotions for various reasons. So that then lends to the second thing that you want to be aware of which is running internal campaign for yourself. This is your own marketing campaign. You know, uh, McDonald's doesn't go a single day without letting you know they sell hamburgers. So just because you're doing a great job doesn't mean people know about it. It doesn't mean that the CEO knows about it. It doesn't mean that any VPs and depending on your level, directors, senior managers, even your manager knows the details of what it is, not only that you're doing, but the impact it has on the organization, uh, on the people under you, on the people above you, on clients, and all of what I just said connects to value. And your role at an organization is to do two things, or one of two or both, make money, save money. It all boils down to that, from the janitor to the CEO. So when you can convey that your actions are leading to making, saving money, it positions you in their mind for advancement. So that's the second thing that you want to do is not only number one, do a great job, but number two, you have to sell constantly, market, advertise the achievements, the growth of you and your team or your division as well. Who do you want to market that to? Your executive sponsor. If we're talking like a Fortune 500 organization, uh, your direct manager, mentors that you have in the organization. All of these people are on your success team. You are already the CEO of your own company. And that company is you in that role. So that really is the second piece to help secure. From the brothers I've seen that have done best that are just like skyrocketing, they're not only doing their job well, they have an internal marketing campaign for themselves throughout their organization with decision makers. And that can really help them to really have uh, promotions and raises come their way. But to actually directly answer your question, one of the things you want to look out for are other people around you getting promotions. That's a key thing. When you got hired, did you discuss a promotion schedule? For many people, that's going to look like uh, on an annual review. That's absolutely the time to discuss when it's time for a promotion. Uh, let's say that you move to a new part of the country and the cost of living is higher. It's time to discuss uh, a promotion. Let's say that you've been given some new responsibilities 
and you killed it. You knocked it out the park. It's time to discuss a promotion. Now, I hear you on the question of not wanting to look money hungry, but I think as long as you are providing a lot more value than they're even asking for, it's always on the table. It's always something that you can consider. And you essentially know that you, if you are or not. But those annual reviews, phenomenal time to go for, the, for that race. If, if not every six months. It depends on the role. It depends on the organization. If you're in a startup, six months. Absolutely. Because they're growing fast. They're hiring. They're firing. Your responsibilities are increasing at, let's say, a tech startup all the time. So, yeah, I would consider every six months uh, to 12 months. I've heard some brothers say, listen, you know, I've been on my job two years. I haven't had a raise. There's no discussion of one. So if you're in a situation where, you know, when you got hired, you didn't discuss whether you would get raises or not. You just assumed you would. Bad strategy. What? First mistake. Don't assume. They're not assuming as a business at all. They know and they're not talking about it with you because... You didn't bring it up, probably. Some companies will bring it up, but some are like, hey, we're trying to get the cheapest that we can get. The cheapest, fastest, and highest quality possible. And if they're not going to bring up the raise and they're going to keep doing the work, we're not going to say anything either. So that's the first thing uh, I would just like to, to share and then get right back to your question. I apologize for, for jumping in. Sometimes I just, you know, I hear things and I'm just like, wait a second, let me just address that right now. When you are interviewing and then negotiating, that's going to be a line item. So you got to think way beyond your base salary. There's like, man, there's probably 18, 20 things you need to be thinking about for negotiating. And the first one is the conversation and potential amount of your first raise. It can even be a range. So you understand what is not the deal or job I'm getting into now, but for the next two years, five years, 10 years of your life. This is your life. You want to talk these things through to see if the deal is sweet or not. But I'm sorry, you were, you were saying before I jumped in. No, I mean, you you pretty much were going right into it. But you know, if you, you didn't go in, in your interview, you just went, got hired, the salary that you okayed, you were happy with that. But then you like, you, even though you covered that, you made the assumption that, okay, I'm going to get a raise at least once a year, but then you've been on this job at least two years, two years, and they haven't gotten yeah. a raise. So for brothers in that That's situation, already, yeah. So for yeah. brothers in that situation, how do they bring it up to management? Yeah. And yeah, yeah, excellent question. Yeah, so you know uh, the old knock knock, hey boss. Uh, you know you got five minutes. Uh, that that that's you know you can get some time there. I would say set it up with a uh, with an email in advance and say hey. You know what? I'm just curious. Things are going well on the job. I want to talk to you about my progression here at the organization. I got a lot of really good ideas, passion for what we're doing. I'm committed to the mission and uh, wanted to run th some things by you. Um, and you could talk about financial or compensation, or you could leave it out. You know, it's, it's going to be a business conversation when you meet. You're going to be free the next week, two weeks, three weeks. Let's get it on the calendar. You know, this is not something you want to do by email. The conversation, especially about money, you want to go over the phone, over Zoom, Google Meet, or in person. And then you set up your expectations. I love how things are going. Ideally, you're doing well and you have good rapport. If you're not on a good footing with the organization, we can address that next. But let's say that everything is going well and they like 
to love you there. That's liking you is sufficient. Liking to love you. I want to talk about the uh, the compensation. And, you know, when I came in, I really didn't talk about the salary bumps and raises that uh, were offered here. I just wanted to talk about that. You know, as far as a raise, what are some timelines that I can expect here as far as a raise connected to performance metrics? Just so we're on the same page where if I'm hitting these marks, I can know what to expect. What is that? What is that cadence? Is that six months? Is that annual? Is that variable? Just so I have more information about what to expect going forward. And then zip, let them talk. They'll tell you. They will let you know. And from there, you'll get an opportunity to decide. Is this an organization you feel confident in placing your career in their hand or not? So the other thing that comes to mind is the best time to look for a job is when you have a job. I'm going to say that again for dramatic impact. The best time to look for a job is when you have a job because you have most leverage, most confidence on the job market as opposed to when you're laid off at home playing PlayStation. You know, confidence is going to it's going to drop. And, and you might get desperate. You might get you might turn into what we call a corporate beggar. There's three things, corporate beggar, commodity hire, and then a specialist. You want to be a specialist. You don't want to be the corporate beggar or the commodity hire. So when you're in your job, even though you're thinking I can get a raise from this company, you might be able to get 50 percent more money from the next company. You might be able to get 100 percent more base salary, stock option. Uh, mileage paid for, coaching budget, professional education budget, student loans paid off from another company in six months, in three months. So definitely look for that raise in your own company, but you might be able to give yourself a two times, three times, four times X, uh, four times raise by switching companies. So that's the thing. If they come back and you have a poor relationship with the with the organization, it's hard to turn around a bad reputation. It's hard. It's very difficult. So if that's your situation or you just don't like what they've told you, you know what? We just like to keep things open around here. Well, it's variable. and We'll just kind of let you know as things come. Yeah, that's a really good time to start looking for a new job, a better paying job where they're going to have integrity and let you know off jump what the structure is going to be for raises and for promotions. If you're in a situation where you have a job, you want to make more money, and you know the raise isn't going to do it. So you're saying basically as long as you keep that, because I, I hear a lot of brothers say, man, I'm, I'm quitting that job. I'm They piss me off. And then, you know, they're on the beach, Still quote there. unquote, for a week or two. So I feel like a lot of guys mess themselves up and they mess their resumes up by just quitting. So how do we address as black men? Oh, first no, our, how do no, we address no. our emotion? <laughs> in the workplace. You know what I mean? So being upset is okay. All right. You know, being angry, being mad, whatever the reason, it, discrimination, you got a coworker that gets on your nerves or uh, you have people that, uh, you know, they're passing you up for promotions when you're overqualified for the role. You've been there longer than you. Whatever the reason is, that's okay. All right. To be upset. So I'm not one of those guys that you need to, you know, not feel that. No, you should. If that's how you feel, then that's how you feel. But I think speaking to your point, there's a when and a where and a how. And, uh, you know, I had uh, 
actually still working with him now. And he was, he is in the accounting space and some things were going down at work and he was getting pissed and he had a white woman who was a boss. And so there's the racial and the gender dynamic going on and he's feeling like they're coming at him. And seemed like that was the case, uh, belittling him. And he's one of the only brothers in the whole office. So he's feeling essentially outnumbered. Nobody's got his back and he let her have it basically. And they let him know that uh, they were going to be letting him go. So that's what's going to happen to you, pretty much. You're going to get a write-up. They're going to let you go. They don't care. This is, you know, it's blood sport out here in corporate America many times. You got to play by the rules. You, you, Unfortunately, as a black man, when they talk about working twice as hard for half as much, it's because, yeah, you got to control your, your body language. You got to monitor who's in the room, who's not in the room. You got to track the gender. You got to track race. You got to say, notice how you said it, the intonation that, yes, you, yes, yes. Unless you have your own business, yes, that's what's going on. Uh, can you still win? Yes, you can still win in these environments. So the first thing is uh, in the workplace, that's, it's not the place to explode. Here, let me, let me uh, put some context around it though. Because at your work, who you show up to your job as, even though there's a movement of bringing your whole self to work, it's not you. It's not you. It's your professional identity. That's who's going to work. You're sending your professional identity to work that has a resume, has a LinkedIn. It's got network connections that are purely for business purposes. That's a, just like you have an avatar on Facebook or TikTok or Twitter, whatever. It's the same for your job. It isn't you kicking it at home with your boys, with your family. It's not those identities. It's a professional identity. So you can do things that support your professional identity winning, which then feeds everybody else. Your professional identity makes sure all the other identities and family, if, if you're the breadwinner, eats. Okay? But you can't compromise your professional identity. Lashing out at people, it's going to take the value of this professional identity down. And it's going to hurt all the other ones over here. You may feel good, but it's a bad decision for your professional identity. So you have to separate your personal identity and your professional identity. And the professional identity pretty much just has a let's solve it mentality. Okay. So, but you still need an outlet for the, the anger and the upset and the mistreatment and the belittling all that personal identity piece of the puzzle. Psychotherapy, phenomenal place to go to. Psychotherapy, I went to psychotherapy the first time when I was 28 years old. I didn't know what I was doing in my career. A trusted recommendation said you needed professional help. And I didn't have any other options at that point. I tried everything else. You know, my best friends were lawyers and, and, and dentists and, and, and salesmen, and they were getting married and got the home and got the job. I was 28, single, broke, trying to figure it out. I said, I can't do it. I need help. And I went and it was very helpful for me because it gave me a place to express my frustrations, but not like I would to a friend. And I know this, uh, uh, this episode amongst others, we get to talk about mental health. So this is, you know, hopefully this is fitting. Uh, but this piece around having a place where I could explore how what was going on inside my internal world that I wasn't really aware of 
was impacting me. It was not just impacting me, it was driving me. So if somebody said something, I was gonna react because of something already going on inside in my subconscious mind, I wasn't even aware of. Now, specifically in this space and the work that we do, we're gonna talk about it for real. This goes back to childhood trauma, dad, mom, was there, wasn't there, hurts that happened as a kid, as a teen, as a young man, et cetera, uh, uh, racial issues, just being in the United States, all that pressure, uh, feeling excluded, you know, for racial reasons, all of that stuff, it's already there. So if you show up with that to work and somebody hits that button, it's going to be hard to control it, even if that's your plan. Hence, therapy. It's a place, it's a container for you to address, heal, reduce the likelihood of you being triggered at work so you can keep a handle on your professional identity and, and keep it keep it professional at all times so that's just one thing is psychotherapy psychotherapy uh connects to psyche connects to soul but it's really about your internal world your internal life and therapy about healing that's one thing the second thing is coaching many times my clients they get upset because they don't feel like they have options. They feel like essentially they're cornered. When you don't feel like you have options, you know, they talk about fight, flight, or freeze. Those being three uh, common responses. So what we're talking about is essentially fight, fighting back. But if you think that job, that role, that response is the only thing you have, you're going to be very limited, and I can see how it would make you, me, anybody upset. Coaches, we're talking professional coach, executive coach, maybe even life coach as well, can help you think through what are your options? What are your options for responding? What are your options for healing? What are your options for uh, how you can move in your workplace differently? What are your options for looking to a new workplace that's going to be less stressed? So I know there's a lot of ways to go about finding solutions to if you you know feel emotional at work, but those are two. And the th key thing to remember is it's not your private self at work. It's your professional identity at work. These things need to be separated. They're different. Before we dive a little deeper in the mental health, I want to go back to your coaching company, uh, Black Executive Men. I noticed it says yep. that you guys um, have helped over 500 Black men in corporate America obtain mid and senior level leadership roles. I mean, we're talking Google, we're talking Microsoft, we're, we're talking Capital One. So these are some big boy companies. So for the brothers that are at home that are saying, hmm, how can I get involved with Black executive men? Absolutely. Uh, you can reach out to us on our website. It's BlackExecutiveMen.com. It's spelled exactly how it sounds, www.BlackExecutiveMen.com. Uh, reach out. Read through the website, see what we're talking about, see if, you know, you resonate with what's going on uh, over there. And then from there, if it sounds like it's a good fit, you want some assistance uh, taking your career to the next step, whether it is a senior level, level leadership role or a lateral move, or you're not even at the senior level yet. Maybe you're even uh, trying to break into corporate America. I'm not actually a corporate guy. I'm a corporate outsider. I'm, as you talked about, I'm, you know, I'm trained as a therapist. And then a few years ago, because we had so many brothers from the corporate space come to us seeking coaching, the demand was so high 
that we pivoted to coaching. And then I brought on a bunch of other coaches that could that could help. So if you're trying to break into corporate America, I know for me, you know, driving my car up to Chevron and I'm paying Chevron, I'm like, what would it be like for them to pay me? Like I'm hopping on Google and I'm like, there's real people that are working on this web page. What if I could work with them directly? So there's a psychological piece of going from being a consumer of, let's just keep it to Fortune 500 companies, to actually being an employee or contractor where they are paying you. There's a psychological piece of making that shift and that pivot. Uh, but then there's also your network and your contacts, which the more work that I do with more senior level guys, the more I see that it's one of the most important tools in your toolkit, it's going to be your network. If you don't have a good network and you're cold applying, that's about 30% of the job opportunities out there. 70% are actually coming through networking. This means knowing people. These are real people with real lives. And if you know them, you can get in. The whole thing about nepotism, don't look at it as bad. Look at it as you need your own nepotistic network that's going to help feed you jobs throughout your career. So that like all these layoffs that are happening right now, I know a lot of those, I know a lot of those people because I do workshops at the different organizations and they say, oh, they laid me off. I'm like, damn, that sucks. And yet those that have a very robust network, they got interviews going immediately. People are pulling them in for roles. So more more to the uh, answer than you asked in, in the question, but you can reach out to us at blackexecutivemen.com. So for the brothers that have their own businesses and they're saying, look, I want to hire some brothers on, but how do I know that I'm getting the right candidate for our position? Sure. Let's say that you're just starting out. You know, I'm going to give a few scenarios. So that you're just kind of starting out, uh, you know, solo practitioner, and now business is going well or well enough. And you're ready to expand, right? You're ready to get some assistance or maybe some other lawyers or other accountants or people handing, you know, some bookkeeping or things like that. And you want to bring them on. Well, I'd say you got to go through the interview process, right? So you can get referrals from uh, different black networks uh, in your own network circle, just kind of putting the word out, uh, putting it out there on LinkedIn, you know, that you're hiring. You go to general job boards, you're just going to get everybody. So if you're looking to just hire black, folks or maybe black men or maybe just black people maybe going to some black focused job boards um, is going to be a good way to do it but i don't think you're going to have a problem getting candidates I, I, you, you know people are always looking for work and yet it's going to be that vetting process and when you're bringing somebody on for i'd say a contractor role yeah you want to vet them pretty well but it's more on those w2 roles where they're really kind of more locked in that you really want to take the time and assess for a few different things. The things that I assess for, uh, we now have uh, 14 black men on our staff as far as coaching, sales team, and then, uh, but then we have our board board of directors and I throw them in as well. Is communication turnaround time. For me, this is non-negotiable stuff. I need to hear back from people in 24 hours because I'm doing business. I'm trying to give them clients and update different things and websites and communication. So that's a standard for me that's a non-negotiable, especially on the VA, my, my virtual assistant team. It has to happen. Professional. Folks got to stay professional, positive. These are things that I know work well for me and, and keep business going. 
So I think you need to set up your own standards of what kind of culture and organization you're you're looking to build that will work for you. Uh, they are working for you to help you make your job and your life easier. That's why they're there. So you need to figure out for yourself and be firm in it. You know, this is not a mentorship. You may do some mentoring and teaching along the way, but it's not that. It's it's a business, and they need to show up, make the certain standards that you've set. Uh, to help you win in your business. So I'd say, yeah, sit down, especially if you're new, uh, figure out what your standards are, what kind of culture you want, what's going to help you do your job easier or make more money or save money. And then with that in mind, start vetting people. I'd vet pretty hard as well. Uh, really check, you know, uh, you might be able to give them an initial small kind of assignment, but check their thinking. Give them an example to run through and see if I gave you this legal case, how would you handle it? Oh, well, I would do this, 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 and this. And you're thinking, ooh, uh, I like your energy. It's in the right place. But I would have to teach you a lot to do it my way, to do it how we do it here. And that's how we're going to be doing it. It's how we do it here. So I don't really have time to do that. And then the next guy comes in and he says, I would do it this, this, this. And you're saying, that is perfect. That sounds excellent. So out of those two, there's other things to assess for, but right there, how they work and how they think, you're going to have a good idea. Uh, the other thing, like I mentioned, is going to be communication speed, turnaround time. So you can learn that just when you're going back and forth. When you email them, do they hit you back immediately? Or are you waiting for two days? That's how it's going to be, likely, going forward. My guess is you want somebody with quick turnaround uh, communication speed. And then generally, positivity, positive attitude. I mean, you got to figure that out for yourself. But I like people that are, you know, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed showing up. I'm ready to get at it. Let's do it. I'm solution-focused. What do you need? Here it is. Man, that makes my job so much easier. It makes me happy to pay them. And I've had the opposite as well. People that don't show up, they're not there for days. I don't hear from them. Work is shoddy. I can't work with that. I let those people go. I don't want to pay them. And I let them go quick. Uh, that would be my other bit of advice. New or intermediate uh, kind of in duration or experienced uh, businessmen. If it isn't working, tell them. Don't be mean. You don't have to be mean. But you do have to tell them clearly. This is what I'm seeing. This is what's going on. These are my expectations. L let's see if we can make it right within this amount of time. If it's not, this is business. Black or not, you got to let them go. If it's not working, you got to let them go because you can get a brother that's everything that you need and keep the business going. Okay. Yeah. I just had to ask you that because I was talking to one of my brothers that is a business owner. He's been, he's owned his business for about five years. And he said he feels like he spends the most money hiring folks because they come in he gets the you know they interview well but then like like you said they're not coming to work so he so i i was really asking that for my brother there because you know he says he spends a lot of money on the hiring process and then when these people aren't working out so before i continue fellas any questions so far i don't have any questions on basically just had a comment basically um for the most part that was that's maybe been my issue uh, my name is uh, gary johnson and um, i own my own business as well and um, basically, my issue with the hiring process, um, just like the brother just mentioned before, is basically just about the vetting process, just making sure that I, that I hire the right candidates, making sure that everybody that's on board is basically 
definitely trying to do the right things as far as building the business and making sure that the business is basically performing to the, to the level that it needs to. So um, obviously, you know, I could take a lot of tips out of what you just mentioned today and um, basically help me going forward when I do, you know, start to expand as far as hiring more people on staff. Can I can I speak to that just a bit? Sure. Yeah. Um, and Gary, if you, if you don't mind, if we could do a little bit of back and forth here. So uh, and I appreciate you sharing and good luck with your business. Um, and uh, congrats. It sounds like you might be expanding soon. So, uh, yeah, we should definitely talk. I need to send some people your way, your way if you're hiring. So. Gary, I'm coach hat now on. Are these employees that didn't work out, were there traits that you saw and ignored? I'm just starting with low-hanging fruit first. In the interview that showed up later is, is bad traits uh, or undesirable traits. Did any of that show in the vetting process or was it a complete surprise? Um, most of it was a surprise. Um, I haven't really done a lot of hiring, but for the people that I did bring on, there we go. Um, tempor- the, the people that I did bring on temporarily, um, those, yep. you know, tend to, they, they tend to put on a mask. They tend to basically when you go through the hiring process. You tend to basically ask them certain questions and obviously they know how to answer those questions correctly. And then when you start to, you know, see their work and see what they're doing, you know, obviously it's nothing like what you really thought you were getting. So, yeah. Okay. So let's, let's dig into that just a little bit. So knowing what you do now, what would you do differently? It, you know, I got a bunch of things that I could share, but just based on what you've seen and learned, how would you move differently? How would you vet differently? Because I hear that you're newer and gaining that experience mm-hmm. of how to smell and hear and sniff out and see and hear what's even not being said, uh, possibly, can help you to be a better judge of, uh, you know, your, your talent yeah. that you're bringing in going, yeah. uh, going so- forward. Yeah, so so obviously, you know, there's obviously things that I can do better as well as far as um, different types of questions I can ask and, um, you know, trying to approach, like what? approach it a little different. Um, for the most part, you know, just basically asking them, obviously, their background. Obviously, you know, I'm in the county, county field, so obviously I need to know exactly what you've done in the past, what your experiences have been as far as working with certain yep. types of clients and working with certain types of companies and things like that or you know, I need to know mm-hmm. your knowledge base. I need to know your knowledge base and know exactly what you've accomplished as far as undergraduate yep. school, if you went there and things like that. So there's obviously things that I can do better as far as some of the questions that I can ask. And those are things that I'm trying to prepare myself to do is obviously, you know, yep. like I said, I don't do a lot of hiring, but for the most part, um, the, the couple of times that, I have, okay. that I've had to uh, hire temporary employees or temporary workers, I, I tend to run into that problem where it's kind of hard to vet them because, like you said, sometimes they tend to know exactly how to answer prep, uh, questions. They know how to approach it. And it basically, you know, sometimes it's, it's kind of a crapshoot sometimes. So so I'm hearing that element about it being a crapshoot. And I'm also hearing that by vetting them kind of more with the these tailored questions, where they went to school, what clients they work for, what projects they did for those clients, maybe how they went about doing it that that could give you some more insight on how they would show up for your uh, your role. Is that right? Correct, yeah. Yeah. The other thing, uh, Gary, that comes to mind is put them to work. Give them, give, give them uh, you know, this is common, in, uh, in especially in, in Fortune 500 organizations. They're going to give them an assignment up front and see how they do. Nothing big, you know, nothing just, you know, massive, huge, but probably something they can't do with chat GPT. Woo, game changer. Uh, but you know, to see how they work and what you can expect, 
for when they're on the job. And hey, you know what? We're in AI landia right now. So maybe, you know, they're using chat GPT as long as they're getting you the results that you want to get. So be it. But what are your thoughts on that? Is giving them a small task assignment, time bound, and seeing if they do it within that time and the quality to then vet the results of different candidates? Yeah, yeah, I think that helps a lot. Um, seeing what type of task they can take on. Um, most of the time, what I try to do is, uh, obviously, you know, I may give them a little small, simple task at first to see how they handle it, and then if they obviously can, you know, their 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 workload would basically grow from there. So, I mean, those exactly. are also part of. So, those are also part of the vetting process as well. If I can see that you can take on more, then I know that you basically are serious about what you're doing. I know that you basically are, you know focused on, on, on the task at hand. So, yeah. And last piece, Gary, uh, I know we, we, we may have some other, uh, some, some other brothers that want to chime in uh, with what's going on in their business or maybe on this, this topic. Uh, and yet this question around kind of a, a temporary period, I know, especially for my VAs that I bring on my virtual assistants, I tell them up front, we're going to see how this goes for the next two weeks or next mm-hmm. week. And we're going to decide from there. If it's going well, psh, come on. I want you to win. And if it's not, I'm probably going to let you go. Uh, I just need to know if it's a fit. It's not personal. It's just business. I'm going to give you all the support that that you need for me to get it done. And we're just going to mm-hmm. see, is that okay with you? The ones that say yes, which has pretty much been everybody, we see how it goes. And when roughly two weeks come, I know it doesn't take, I know typically in a week what's going to happen. But we get that two weeks in case they, you know, we can kind of get them up there. But what are your thoughts on that? Is that something you say or do? I mean, it's not something that I that I've done in the past, but it is something that I can take forward. Um, I can use that. I can use that going forward when I do that. I can basically try to take that approach. Something to consider. Yeah, it is. It is. Great speaking with you, Gary. Good luck. Thank you. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. From a mid and senior level leadership role, there was rare to see brothers in those positions. So, how does black executive men? in the training that you teach, help these brothers, you know, achieve. Yeah, man, it's crazy. Cause we talk to them all the time. We, we, because this is our niche, this is who we're talking to. You know, I can't say every day cause we don't work at, you know, weekends and stuff, but it's very common for us to see black men in leadership roles, but you're right. Few and far between. Uh, one of the biggest issues is being the only, so being the only black man in their level of seniority, division, team, there's a few different skill sets. However, for the guys that are wanting to get into a senior leadership role, one of the key things is going to be your network because you're likely going to hit a ceiling for success. There is a success ceiling. There are certain things that, you know, brothers are in fraternities, there's clubs, there's networks. There's, there's a whole world going on behind the scenes in, in the corporate world. Why? Because there are humans there. It's not just a robot. They're real organizations. There's real people that have been doing this for 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, even you know a lot longer than that, and some a lot shorter. So going back to your network, probably being the, just the, the number, it's just probably the number one thing. You need to have a network that has Black men uh, you need your white network too, okay? So we, we let's keep it a hundred. You, you need that too, okay? But you need your you need a black network, um, especially if you're listening to this podcast, this show here, right? You you need a black network because there's going to be some times when you need to talk about racial dynamics. 
that you can't go to your white network for. They're just not necessarily going to be able to receive you in that way. So that's one thing is building a cohort, a cadre, a community of successful senior leadership amongst black men. And one of the ways that you can do that over time, and then I'm going to get back to the, the concrete kind of like on the job skill sets, is doing informational interviews. We've all heard it. Do not ask them for a job off rip. It's tacky. It's bad taste. You don't know them. You're asking them to stick their neck out for you at their organization. And if you turn out as a bad fit, they're going to look at them. And as a black man, they're already looking at them. And as a black man trying to bring in a black man, oh, man, it, it, it's going to look like favoritism. I mean, the cards are stacked against him already. So he's not just going to say, oh, another black man. Yeah, you should apply over here. Use my name. Definitely not. Okay. So you got to move with some finesse. So one of the best ways to do that, hop on LinkedIn, whatever industry that you're in, if you're looking to stay in that industry, you know, let's say petroleum, for example, you're going to look, find out the top 10 companies, find out who the black men are that are in senior leadership, reach out on LinkedIn and just simply say, you know what? I'm actually um, doing some industry research, uh, you know, on black men in the petroleum industry. So few just wanted to, you know, pick your brain about how you even got here, what motivates you to be here, innovations you see in our industry and, and, and essentially take it from there. It's a numbers game. Some will, some won't. Some black men don't want to be associated with other black men for many of the reasons I named earlier, because they feel like it makes them stand out or a liability in some way. And then you have black men. And so they're not going to fool with you. And then you got some black men who are all about community uplift, impact, give back. Those are the ones that are going to reach out and say, absolutely, let's talk. Those are the guys you follow up with. You set a, you know, a phone call, Zoom call, and you do just what you said you're going to do. You get to know them as a human being. Let's say you get 10 black men that are in senior level roles throughout the petroleum industry that you have good relationships with. Connected back, so hold that. These puzzle pieces. We're just putting that one on the table. To the next piece of, of course, doing your job, you know, well in your, your your current job. And then the second piece of doing your internal promotions campaign, your marketing campaign for yourself that's in your company. Extend it to those 10 brothers as well. So they're getting updates on what you're doing, how you're growing, insights you see, know, understand researched about your industry keep the dialogue it have to be every day every week two weeks it could be monthly it could even be quarterly so you begin now you've gone from wherever you were to having a network that you built whether you're in a fraternity or not whether you're uh, in the lodge or not whether you're in the boule or whatever you can build it on your own and if you're in one of these organizations probably even easier in some capacity so that's a way that you can, uh, you know, we've all heard those quotes and you hear like Gary V saying it's like the, the, the sum of the five people and your immediate network is your net worth or, or likely where you're trending toward. Yeah, absolutely. So that's a way to elevate quickly. You could do this in the next three months and get a, a senior leadership team of black men locked in. Why? To help you get a job later to help you get a job in three, six months, 12, you know, nine months, 12 months. So if you're on the job that you hate now is what it is. I got clients that are just like that right now. 
Build out your network while you're doing the cold applying. 30% come through cold applying. 70%, especially when you're dealing with jobs, typically above 150K, it's networking. It's who you know that's going to refer you internal to the hiring manager or recruiter of that company. You're five times likely more, uh, more likely to get hired if you're referred internally. So I just wanted to share uh, uh, some of those pieces alongside how that connects to your own internal campaign. Extend that to those who are in your network, your network that you're building. You're not going to have a problem finding uh, opportunities, uh, other senior uh, director, VP, senior manager level roles. So those are key pieces of the puzzle. But uh, one of the other keys and it's essential, and it's where I see a lot of my, my clients and my guys get, they get hemmed up, is they don't talk like an executive. Hear me out, folks. You got to listen to me on this. I know what I'm talking about. They went to Harvard, Morehouse, UC Santa Barbara. You know, that's, that's where I went for undergrad, wherever, wherever. Some guys didn't go to college. I have clients like that, and they're doing, they're killing it in corporate America. You have to learn how to talk like a senior leader. If you're not talking like a senior leader, they're not going to see you as one and you're not going to get the looks. So I'll give you a brief example. This takes some practice, but it'll make a world of a difference. Um, so let's say you're in a role and you say, you know what, uh, you know, you had some report or had to make a sale. Or something. I did it. I did the job well. I knocked it out the park. I killed it. I crushed it. I did it, you know, in three months, you know, two months. Happy for me, boss. Yeah, boss is happy. You did your job, okay? Good. Another example, our team did very well. You're a manager. Let's say you're already a manager, but you're not a senior manager. You're not a senior leader. You're not a director. Team did fantastic. Uh, you know, this one, this one, this one, they did, you know, exceptionally well. Cool. All that, they're going to love it. And they're probably going to keep you right where you're at. You're not talking like an executive. Executives talk about stock price. That's why they're hired to get a better stock price, not to just do their job well, okay? Executives are talking about market share. You didn't talk about market share. You don't even know how your efforts are connected to market share. Executives do. They know how it's connected. There's, there's a brother I'm working with right now. There were flowers delivered 12 hours late to a customer, 12 hours late. That's very late. Could be a singular problem. The customer complains, okay? Normal. It gets all the way back up to the chain of command for him. Now, he's not a, a C-suite leader, but he is, he is uh, he's high up there, okay? Finds out, do, does some digging. Now, this brother has a five-step proven system. Do you, have a, do you have a system? Or are you just out there doing it how you do it? Can you explain how you do it in five simple steps when you're at the cigar lounge of the COO of a company that you're trying to get hired at, okay? These are power tools. This is executive communication, okay? So he uses his five-step process. So first, he discovers what's going on, then he digs deep, he does an evaluation, finds out that there's an issue with the whole floral department. He digs deeper and finds out through the negative reviews and the lack of business that they're getting, this is a massive organization. They're losing $5 million annually. He has a process to fix the problem. The problem would normally take three years to complete. He does it in six months, not only saving them $5 million, but I think it was another 
something like 12 million in addition to future earnings that would have been lost to this problem. So now he's up to 17 million that he saved. But not only that, his solution for the floral department helped turn around that apartment, helped them win something like five awards in France. So now it's like you're building this story out, okay? Customer, customer reviews go up, business increases as well, which helps to add to the bottom line for the entire company. And he can cite how many millions we're talking about smelling a flower to $20 million, $50 million. And he connects it to how the stock price went up. He connects it to how they pulled market share because of this shift simply in the floral department. Now, you all might be saying, I can do that. If so, do that. Begin speaking like that. Begin communicating in those terms. But here's where the game changer comes in. Here's where you hit the Barack Obama. Here's where you hit the presidential switch. You see how I started with the guy whose flowers came 12 hours late, okay? In this specific example, guy was showing up on his honeymoon. He wanted the flowers to arrive the same time he arrived. Flowers didn't arrive. They had to wait 12 hours. They missed the, the, the Madonna Live, the, the Elvis Returns uh, thing. This is out in, out in Vegas. It just ruined it for him. Left brain, right brain. You got to talk numbers, but you also have to talk stories. So in this story... Like a woman named, uh, I forget her name, we'll just make it up, Maria. Two kids, single mother, 12 and 13. The youngest was getting bullied at school because of the outdated system that was having the flowers be late in the first place. She couldn't be home with her youngest daughter to do homework, talk about life, and she was just on her own. They fixed the system. Her three overtime shifts got cut down. She could just work her normal hours. She got to go back home, spend time with her youngest daughter, talk through the issues, the youngest is no longer getting bullied. So we're talking major, major, major multi-million dollar impact. And we're talking micro, micro, micro human heartstrings impacts. And when you can talk like that, you grip people's attention. And this is CEO level. This is C-suite, senior leadership level communication. Most brothers have no clue that this is... Not that it's not going on, but that they need to be doing it too in order to get a role. Just real briefly, I'll share and then I'll, I'll, I'll cut it, which is there's three types of hires. There's a corporate beggar. I mentioned this earlier. Corporate beggar will do anything. They'll do any role for any amount of money. They need a job. I get it. I've been all three. Okay, I've been, I've been all three. The second one is the commodity hire. The commodity hire is somebody who's qualified. Definitely qualified for the role. No real passion. They can be swapped out with some. You can swap them out, swap them in with somebody else that can do that role. And then you have a specialist. These are people that are best in the world at what they do. These are the people that are in the highest demand. These are the people they're trying to poach from other organizations. You want to be a specialist. And when you speak like an executive, when you have a proven system, when you're clear on your professional mission? What are you trying to accomplish professionally? When you have your impact statement of the impact on the lives of others you want to make with your career, when you're done with it, you're especially, you're the best in the world at what you do. And that's how guys start to name their own price at the organization they want to work at. And don't have them have a network locked in place. And that's how you see the brothers on LinkedIn who are like, 
I just got this new role two years later from just getting the last amazing role. This is what they're doing. These are the tools they're you. They're not just lucky. They're not, I promise you, they're not just lucky. I promise you they're not. They're using these tools and they work. Um, I talked to, you know, many potential clients who want to go for their dream job and they're fearful. They're fearful of being discriminated against in the interview process, the resume process, the networking process. They're fearful of starting over. They've been at their company for 10 years. And, you know, just to make the connections at the company, get familiarized with the role, again, can be overwhelming. It can be daunting. Uh, they're fearful of just not getting a role at all and having to, you know, end up doing a job that they hate or just not having enough money to come in to support their family or, or, or even themselves. Um, and I just want to validate all those uh, uh, to say that, you know, validate. Yeah, it's okay to feel fear. Uh, but when you connect with a coach or a group or a system that's locked in place that has experience, I think that's something you should really lean into, not just for the salary, although salary is so important. It's so important to have the salary to send your kids to private schools if you want. It's so important to be able to take the platinum vacation, uh, the cruise with the whole family down in uh, Jamaica, to have that lifetime. It's so important that when your parents age, uh, they're not on the Medi-Cal, Medicare, Medicaid, Obamacare, split up going to different hospitals. You can keep them together or in-home and have in-home support, top tier, top quality, medication, doctor's visits, best foods for them when they're in their golden years. We're not talking about small stuff that money can bring. We're talking about major stuff that it costs money, okay? So don't downplay what it would be like to have more money. It could be, it could be absolutely game-changing for you. The next piece, I'm gonna keep it brief, is on seniority. There's a whole other level of why you need to be in a senior level role if you're in one of these organizations. Uh, just the, the benefits, the perks, you can actually get health insurance for the executive health insurance for the rest of your life if you're in some of these roles. You quit the job, you still have it coming for you and your family. The benefits are outrageous when you get to senior level, but not just those two things. It's for the satisfaction that you can have in a role where you're having the impact that you're desiring to have, you're accomplishing your mission, your professional mission for why you're here on earth, the level of satisfaction that that can bring and confidence that it can have you not only show up in your job, but in your family and in your friend circle, church, spiritual community. It's just like, it can be a new life for you, let alone how it can impact, you know, let, we can talk about it. Maybe you put on some stress weight from the previous role. Maybe the blood pressure is kicking up because of the stress from a previous role. We're talking about health benefits that it can have on you as well. So I would say, even if you have the fear, I'd still say go for it, but don't freestyle this thing. Get with an expert, somebody that you feel confident can walk you through the process and has results as well. And then once you do, go for it. Go 100%. It'll pay off. Great information. Jewel Edward Love, thanks for coming on Black Men Sundays. My final question, did you enjoy your time hanging out with us today? Man, this is fantastic. You got a good thing going. I'm going to tell some I'm going to tell some brothers about this. This this is a this is a winning program in and to have the call in. I love it.
Once again, uh, Joel Edward Love Jr., thanks for coming on Black Men Sundays. We appreciate spending some time with you today, getting some good professional coaching. Brothers, go to blackexecutivemen.com for more information. Peace. It's a Black Men Sunday.